Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and open up to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Charge. Oh, no, that's what we do in sword drills. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And we'll read uh, three verses together. And I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please. And um, we'll read out loud verses 12, 13, and 14. Okay? All together. For when for time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Heavenly Father, help us now for the next little while to absorb the, the teaching here in the scripture to understand what it, what it is your will for our lives. Bless us, please. Holy Spirit of God, help us to have ears to hear. Keep us awake, Lord, and uh, always keep us going and growing. For Jesus' sake we pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, um, according to these verses here, particularly verse 12, every Christian, every Christian, Man, woman, young, old, every born-again Christian is supposed to become a teacher of Bible truths and life skills to other people. I know there's a lot of Christians who uh, don't know that. They don't realize that. But it's true. It's true for every one of us. Um, now, we certainly know it's true of pastors, don't we? We're going to be looking at a few scriptures this morning, so let's start by turning back to the book of 1 Timothy, just a few pages only. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and let's see, verse number 1 says, This is a true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Now watch, verse 2, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. That idea is an aptitude, a tendency toward teaching, uh, quite likely also some sort of skill. Pastors need to be teachers. It's one of the qualifications for being a pastor. But every Christian is to be a teacher. And that's true of the, um, the new, well, the, the newer Christians, after they get maybe a few miles under their feet or something, but certainly of the older Christians. In Hebrews, what we read in verse 12, Paul was writing to these Christian believers and he said, For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. So by that we infer that every Christian... Uh, needs to be going and growing and getting uh, more mature in the things of God. And I do believe that that is God's will for our lives. 
1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So we all get started in the Christian life the same way. None of us is born into God's family as a fully mature, deep Christian. It just doesn't happen. We get into God's family the same way through um, the new birth, through Jesus Christ. But we're babes. That's how we begin. If we get saved at a younger age, be it maybe 8 or 10 years of age, we're a babe in Christ. If we get saved at an older age, say 50 or 55, we're a babe in Christ. So our spiritual growth uh, starts when we get born again. And when we get started, we are a babe. Now, if you would kindly go back to Hebrews, and we'll go to chapter 6. I want you to see that it's God's plan for all of us to grow and to mature. Chapter 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And so, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ has that idea of beginning foundations. And then he goes, of course, he goes on to describe it about basic repentance and faith to get saved. Um, there are Christians who seem stunted in their growth. They don't seem to progress too much beyond that. And certainly this was the case of many of the Hebrew Christians that Paul wrote to. And he said, of course, for when, for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again. So they weren't growing. Now, spiritual growth is a divine human cooperative. And uh, we have a job, God has a job. And if we don't do our job, God's not going to do his job. But if we do our part, then God for sure will do his part. Um, if you turn to the right also, please, uh, and go to 1 John chapter 2. We'll see this again. Now in verse number 13, John writes and says, I write unto you fathers. A good idea maybe to underline that word fathers. Because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men. There's the next classification, underline that. Because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, underline that. Because ye have known the father. So you see there's three classifications, if you will, of spiritual growth. The little children would be more the babes in Christ. They've been newly born, and um, their big accomplishment is that they know God. They know the Father. Hooray! You know, that's a, a, a very important milestone in a person's life when they get saved, and for the first time, they really get to know God. And that's the way it ought to be. But it's not supposed to stop there. They're supposed to continue to read the Bible and pray and grow and study and go to church and get involved. And then they progress into this young men stage. And then uh, John writes here, you have overcome the wicked one. So they've engaged in um, spiritual battle. They've been uh, down and dirty on the canvas with the devil kind of thing. They've gone through some battles and um, some ups and downs, but they've overcome. And that's sort of the the mark of the middle stage of the, the Christian growth. 
And then, of course, I write unto you fathers because ye have known him that is from the beginning. And there, there gives more of an idea of a, a deep, deep knowledge, knowing more of the things of God, God himself. And three things that I believe that we need to be studying always until the Lord calls us home. Number one is in our Bibles, get to know God better. As we read through our Bibles, let's look for ways that we can know God better. What makes him happy? What makes him sad? Um, the second thing is, of course, his will for our lives. We want to find that in the scriptures, and God will show us in the scriptures what God would have us to do. What, what does God want a Christian to do? And the third thing are the promises upon which we can stand and pray and serve and overcome. So those three things I've found to be um, paramount importance in my life, in any Christian's life, to know God better, to know his will for our lives, and to know the promises that he makes for us. So I'm always looking for those three things every time I get into the prayer closet. So we, uh, to review, we, we realize that God wants all Christians to be teachers at some point. We all get started the same way as newborn babes in Christ. And we grow, of course, through the word of God. That's what Peter was saying. Now, I believe that Bible college is a key, not the only key, but definitely an important key. And uh, maybe even one of the very best ways of maturing in Christ. And I'll tell you why I believe that. Because, number one, the Bible college atmosphere helps to keep us focused on Jesus. Uh, when we're not in Bible college, we're into the workaday world or whatever, we're not focused on the Lord as much as we are when we're in Bible college. That's a huge benefit. Um, number two, when we're given all kinds of projects and assignments and reading and requirements, they sort of force us to mature. It's like a sink or swim kind of atmosphere. And I'm sure that we've all experienced that. Number three is in Bible college, we learn Bible verses. It's part of the curriculum. We learn Bible verses. We learn Bible doctrines. And these things all go to help promote spiritual maturity. And then number four, in Bible college, we get the... Uh, the added advantage of being able to hear sermons by many different pastors and missionaries as they come through the church and all these things help. And there's uh, probably some other uh, reasons as well, but those are four uh, reasons why I think that um, the Bible college experience is one of the best ways to help mature us. Now, Hebrews chapter uh, 5 and verse 12 uh, tells us for when for the time ye ought to be teachers ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. So we see here a difference in milk and meat when um, when physical you know newborn babes come into the world we don't feed them pork chops we uh, give them mother's milk. That's got all of the nutrients they need to grow. And week by week, you know, we see the church families come in here and, 
and their children starting to grow and they grow and grow. Sometimes if we haven't seen uh, some of the kids for a period of time because of COVID, all of a sudden, you know, they seem like they've shot up there a few inches. And a few of the kids here, I don't know what they're eating, but uh, they're growing like string beans or something. Man, they're shooting right up. And they're getting close to the height of their parents, usually the mother first. <laughs> and then sometimes they meet and exceed the father as well. But all that's God's plan. That's the way it's supposed to be. And the way we grow spiritually is we keep feeding on the milk of the word until such times as we're starting to consume the meat of the word. And that, that means we're getting more into the deeper truths and the doctrines and getting to know um, the Heavenly Father in a greater way and the workings of the Holy Spirit. We're getting to know more of God's plan for the ages, the coming tribulation, where uh, Israel fits in. And listen, this is so important because today there's a lot of confusion going around in Christian circles because Christians are not studying their Bibles and so false teachers come in. And there's a, a plethora of uh, uh, false teachers all over the internet. They're everywhere. And a lot of them are trying to teach us that we need to go back and keep the Jewish feasts and keep the Jewish diets and you know do these things found in the Old Testament. They don't know what they're talking about. They just... They're, they're literally bringing people under bondage. So it's so important that we understand so we can rightly divide the word of truth. So anyhow, we realize that not every Bible college student is going to graduate and become a full-time Christian worker. That's plain. That's evident. But we realize from Hebrews 5.12 that every Bible college student can graduate and become an effective teacher of God's truth and of life skills and good things. Every single one. Um, of course, we would do teaching in the church, wouldn't we? Sunday school and uh, sometimes men's meetings, ladies' meetings, and sometimes from the pulpit. These are all opportunities we have to teach. We can also do teaching in the home uh, with the children, perhaps, or with... Uh, uh, <laughs> used to say you take in laundry you know or you babysit other other people's kids sometimes you can do a wee bit there as well teaching children bible verses and sunday school songs is an excellent excellent way to lay a good foundation uh, and then of course in the workplace as well and we have to be careful of obviously um, many workplaces are very anti-god and so we have to to be careful but we can teach good life skills in some of these places, such as honesty, integrity, being on time, giving a, a proper day's work for a proper day's wage. These are all good biblical truths that we can teach with our lifestyle as well. Now, the road to Christian maturity and to being a teacher, a good teacher, is not always an easy road. Now, let's go just over to James, just past Hebrew, Hebrews to James chapter 1, and we'll see this here. Uh, we pick up in verse 2. Let's read this, uh, verse 2, 3, and 4. Let's read it out loud together. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, 
that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Um, we realize from life experience that uh, being a Christian sometimes is, um, is tough. And trying to be a mature Christian can feel like an uphill battle or swimming against the, uh, the, the current. Uh, when you come into Bible college, the initial workload at the beginning of each semester, I remember when I was in Bible college, I felt sick to my stomach, you know, with all of these assignments, what, and another one, and we go from class to class, and we was just loaded. It just seemed like, you know, under an impossible mountain of uh, expectations. And so that can be discouraging. Uh, many people find memorizing Bible verses very difficult, and they struggle with that. Organizing our time to get everything done within the semester can be quite a challenge. Distractions seem to come and find us and they get in the way as well. Fatigue, we get tired, you know, more coffee, you know. Ecclesiastes 12.12 was a favorite verse when I was in Bible college. And further by these, my son, be admonished of making Many books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. And we took refuge and comfort in that verse. And then, of course, final exams can be stressful. And so these are some reasons as to why the road to Christian maturity isn't always, you know, a very smooth, paved walk in the park. Uh, it ain't that way. So it can sometimes feel like we're being chastened. And we'll go back to Hebrews, but this time to chapter 12. So just back a page or so. And we'll look at chapter 12 and verse 5, ah, 5, 6, and 7. Let's do that. Let's read those three verses, 5, 6, and 7, chapter 12. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? So, even in uh, earthly homes, boy, they're noisy today. They waited until I started my sermon. I think they did that on purpose. I am so offended. Not. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> they're being kids. They're paid to be kids. <laughs> That's their job. By the way, the adults are paid to be kids too. Do you see they got a pajama party going on there? And, the, and I came in and thought, oh, man, no one told me. I would have wore my big floppy bunny slippers, you know, and my uh, cozies. Well, anyhow, here in uh, Hebrews, we learn something that I think we've all come to know, is that sometimes the Lord has to uh, correct and chasten us. And sometimes Bible college can almost feel that way, that we're sort of being pushed along, carried along, sometimes, you know, chastened along almost. It can happen. But watch in verse 7. If ye endure chastening, so that's, that's our part, then watch what God will do. God dealeth with you as with sons. That means he'll take us into his confidence. He'll draw us close to himself. Now that's a good payoff. 
So it's true that sometimes uh, things are tough in Bible college and it feels like we're being chastened. That's true, but the end result is worth it. It's always worth it. That's the point. When you finally get through, you really have something. Not just a piece of paper. That's good too, mind you. But you have the, the training. You have the history. You have the experience. You have some of the wounds and scars to, to show as well. But you've got the Christian growth and the maturity. And that's the most important thing. And this is why uh, God has Bible colleges. So that we have a place that we can come away from the distractions of the world. We can give ourselves more over to knowing the Lord and his will and his promises. And over a period of a few years, we do a lot of growth. You will grow 10 times faster in Bible college uh, in those few short years than you ever will out, you know, holding down a job or going to a secular university or something like that and trying to grow as a Christian. So that's why Bible college is very important. Now, the good news is that God has a secret spiritual power that he will give us to help us through every situation, every final exam, every project, every verse we have to memorize, every uh, requirement, every piano recital, every, you know, knocking on doors. God has a secret spiritual power and it's found in James. We'll go there, chapter one, just turn over another page. James chapter one and Verse number five, read it out loud with me. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So a few things to know here. Number one, God is a liberal. He gives liberally. That means he opens his pockets and with big hands, you know, he says, here, here. A cute story about a, I heard this many years ago about a mother who had a little boy named Johnny, I think his name was. So they would go into the, uh, they lived in the country, and they go into the country store, and the man who owned the store was, was a nice fellow, and says, hello there, Johnny, how are you? And Johnny would, would say, hello, sir. And so uh, one day, the, uh, the store owner said, Johnny, do you like candy? Oh, his eyes, you know, boys like candy, his eyes, you know, lit up. And he says, well, here's, here's this big jar of uh, these little candies here. Reach in there and take a big handful. And Johnny you know, kept his hands by his side. And so uh, he said, oh, go ahead, son. Uh, you know, have a handful. And he kept his hands. And his mother said, Johnny, he says, uh, the man is being very kind to you. Reach in, go ahead. Mm, no, he wouldn't do it. And so the store owner says, oh, that's okay. And so he reached in himself and took a handful and put it in a bag and gave it to Johnny. And he was all smiles. And when they went out, his mother asked him, Johnny, why didn't you reach in like the man said and take a handful of candy? And Johnny looked up and says, Mom, he's got a bigger hand than I do. <laughs> yeah. Smart little kid. <laughs> and God is liberal with wisdom. He's not stingy. He's liberal. He doesn't give these little, you know, nickel and dime amounts. God will be generous with wisdom. If we need wisdom, the context here is wisdom to be able to know how to live for the Lord, going through tough times or persecution or final exams or something. We need wisdom. 
we call upon God and we ask him for wisdom. And God is liberal. He'll give it to us and he won't upbraid us. He says right here, and upbraideth not. That means he's not going to chew you out and call you stupid again. What are you, some kind of dummy? Oh, well, I don't know why I ever birthed you into my family. Uh, humans do that. Humans treat us like that. But our Heavenly Father doesn't. And we may have to go to him ten times in a day, ten times in an hour, and ask him for wisdom. Lord, I don't, I'm, I'm dull here. Help me. Give me wisdom. Show me how to put two and two together to make four. Help me again here with this. And our Heavenly Father is loving and patient and says, here you go. And he'll give us the wisdom that we need. And I happen to know that God can give wisdom for any situation in life. If you're under the hood of the car trying to fix the thing and you, you're just not getting anywhere, you call upon the Lord. He'll give you wisdom. If you've lost your car keys in the house, and you say, I've got to get out the door. I've got to get to Bible college or something. And you cry out to him, Lord, show me. Give me wisdom to find my, my car keys. God will give wisdom. It's amazing what God wants to do for us. So it's really like a secret spiritual power. I read a story about two Christian men who went out and had lunch together. And they got talking. And the subject of wisdom came up. And the... Uh, the um, the first man told of several occasions where he called upon God for wisdom for this and wisdom for that. And he was real bubbly and uh, just excited about the wisdom that God was giving him. And the, the second man was sitting there listening to it all. And then he said to his friend, he says, he said, how do we get wisdom? And really without missing a beat, the first man answered and said, pain. Now, it may not be the most theologically correct answer, but the idea is correct. And James chapter 1 here talks about verse 2, when count it all joy, you fall into diverse temptations. That means we're being tempted, you know, to leave the Lord, tempted with evil, tempted to get involved with the world or things like that. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith that's the kind of pain, the, the stress, the struggle. Um, it, it worketh patience. Let patience have a perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire. The idea of perfect means mature through a process. It means that it's like you started the assembly line way down at the other end of the building. And they uh, started with a, some kind of foundation, a platform, and then it, you moved on down the assembly line and someone else added a few little nuts and bolts to you. You moved on down the assembly line. Someone else added some wiring harness to you. You moved on down the assembly line. You get the idea. By the time you get to the, assembly, the end of the assembly line, you're a fully made product. That's the idea of perfection. It means being mature through a process. And I think, that we're always maturing because we're, we want to become more and more like Jesus. So if I were to ask you, have you arrived? Are you just like Jesus in holiness and compassion and reliability and understanding and service? And are you just like Jesus? Hopefully you'd be honest and say, well, I got a little more work, you know, needs to be done in, in my life. And that's our story. All through our lives, 
we're getting more and more like Jesus. And Bible college is, I think, one of the best places to mature. I remember when I came up to the end of my Bible college and um, I thought, oh man, I'm going to be out of here soon. I'm going to graduate and oh, I don't want to leave, you know, because of the, uh, the atmosphere and the things I was, you know, funny. I wish I'd started with that, but I ended with that. Oh, this is just great. I, I don't, don't want to leave. Um, so anyhow, there are times when even Bible college can feel like a pain. But God knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what we need. And every step of the way, he's forming us to be good teachers. Because Hebrews, what we just read there in chapter 5, you know, we want to be able to teach others. Teach them Bible truths, but teach them life skills as well. Let's not you know, forget that. That's very important. Life skills are very important. Especially if they're bi biblical Bible based. So anyhow, the the answer is found here in James chapter one, verse four and five. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.